Welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We're turning dreamers into doers. If you're ready to open your heart and take inspired action on your dreams, you are in the perfect place with wonderful people. Here's your host, dreamer, educator, and adventurer, Abigail Gazda. Welcome back to the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. And I am here with Spencer Snakerd, an executive transformation coach, trainer, and speaker. And I cannot wait for you guys to hear her speak. We have so much aligned messaging, and we are just going to jam out on some of these conversations. And she is a visionary. She helps visionary entrepreneurs and conscious world-changing leaders break through barriers to their next level of success by transforming from the inside out so that they can profitably and sustainably fulfill their mission and make a major impact in the world. Spencer has trained and coached in personal and professional development for nearly 25 years. Before we hit record, y'all, we were jamming out on all the programs that we are aligned with and that we both know. So her transformative programs have caused a profound and lasting shifts in a participant's lives by getting to the heart of what drives us and what holds us back and what it takes to truly be fulfilled as spiritual beings having a human experience. Spencer, thank you so much for being here. I am so excited to have this conversation. I'm so excited. Yeah, me as well. As soon as I checked your website, I thought, oh my gosh, we are gonna have so much to talk about. Yes. (laughs) And so 25 years, give us a little bit of, well, I wanna know how you, what how you got started and how you got interested in this, but I, I also wanna remember to ask you about like, 25 years trending, like the waves of this industry. So tell us about where you got started. Yeah. So um, starting in as, as a coach and in the work of transformation, that was about 25 years ago when it, when I was first introduced to it and, you know, going even prior to that, now I'm really showing my age going even prior to that. I was one of those weird kids that like at age 14 was reading self-help books (laughs) and then got a degree in psychology because I wanted to help people for lack of a better word. Um, But I always knew it was really like, I really wanted to help people live their best, most fulfilling lives. I remember having a a boyfriend uh, as I was going into college who it was like he was doing a death march off to to prison or something to go get an accounting degree that he had no interest in, had no um, real drive for. It was just kind of like something he thought he should do to be able to make a good living. And Mm -hmm. that like that never made sense to me. (laughs) And, (laughs) And there's probably more practical people in my life that are like, yeah, there's a lot you do that doesn't make sense to me either. But to me, it was always like, you got, I, I don't know. I just feel like life is too short to, to give up precious time that we have on things that feel like we're suffering through. Um, I taught yoga for many years and I, and I used to always say in class, like I have a no suffering allowed rule. There's plenty of suffering out in the world. We don't need to choose to suffer in here. And that's a good lesson to bring into life. So anyway, I got out of college with my psychology degree and um, didn't know what I was going to do with it because you can't really do much without a master's degree in that. And in my year or so of trying to kind of find my way and figure out what was next, I discovered a transformational training program. And um, it was absolutely life altering. It was a three-day weekend seminar. And um, I remember on the very first day looking at the gentleman that was leading the course going, this is it. This is what I was put on this earth to do. Um, And there were amazing things, you know, that I even experienced out of that weekend. Like I had struggled with eating disorders for 10 years of my life up to that point and literally like completely broke free from it, let go of it in that, like in a moment in that session after I had had years of therapy and again, self-help books and other things. And I was just like, I'm done. 
I don't need this anymore. It was just incredibly powerful work. And that was in 1996 before coaching was even a thing. And the coaching, you know, before the ICF and the coaching industry existed. So I knew it was what I wanted to do. I worked for this company for a couple of years. Um, I kind of did all their programs and worked for them for a couple of years. And sadly, I found them at the end of their 30-year run in business. So they closed their doors after I had about two years working for them. And um, it was kind of a long, it was a long road to get to directly doing coaching full-time. But throughout those 25 years, I was doing the work myself, like my own personal development and growth. Um, I was finding many ways to support other people with their personal development and growth, including having a yoga studio that I ran for 15 years. And I always kind of jokingly say I snuck in life lessons and down dogs. <laughs> people thought they were coming to stretch or exercise. And I was like sneaking in the life lessons and the golden nuggets. <laughs> yep. And then I discovered the world of online coaching and I went, oh my gosh, I can actually do this. I can do exactly what I want to do and do it on my terms and not have to do it like traveling the globe or working crazy long hours or for low pay. I can really kind of chart my path here. So I've been been at it for about five years now as a, as a full-time business. That's awesome. Very awesome. And I have to joke with you because I started book clubs and same thing as like, gotcha. And, and my clients will call me up. They're like, this is not a book club. And I'm like, no, it's a self-discovery program. <laughs> <laughs> but it, and in the same sense, then, you know, it's really cool because you mentioned, I was reading self-help books at 14 and um, you're joking about, oh, show my age or this or that. But, you know, Jen, what's millennials or whatever, like, I do feel like you are at the front of that wave. And so is the people that were starting these companies and in your industry. And at, at that point, it was much more like considered like so new age and so new yes. or whatever. Yeah, and, it was weird new agey stuff. <laughs> yeah, and you got, you were really charging like at the front of that wave or paving that path. And so um, I remember, I started just five years ago and I really felt like I was um, paving a path, at least within my inner circle of like, what's coaching? Like it still wasn't as mainstream yet, yet much more than ever before. So tell us some about some of the transitions and trends you've noticed over these 25 years. Goodness, that's a, that's a fascinating question. So, I, you know, I think one of the biggest things is, um, well, you know, one, it's, it's interesting. This isn't directly about coaching, but it totally relates with coaching. Um, you know, I had mentioned how I got my degree in psychology. I don't, <laughs> I should know this with my psychology degree, but I was just going to say, I don't even recall if positive psychology existed when I was in school. Um, I don't recall that it did. My, my um, sort of take or experience at the time that I was in, in the early to mid 90s studying psychology um, felt very much like it was kind of geared towards solving problems. Like, you know, people have struggles with things and we're going to help them figure out how to fix their problems or not struggle as much. Um, but it didn't really seem to be like... I, I did briefly work in the field and and had that take on it. And, you know, therapy is great. I've been in and out of therapy multiple times in my life. My kids have all been in therapy at some point. So I'm totally not knocking the industry, but I think it's just got a different approach than coaching does. And so it's interesting to me that over these 25 years, things like positive psychology have come out, which is very much about let's find what's working. Let's find what's going well and help you do more of that and help you be more successful with things. And so I think in many ways, Ways, even like, you know, more traditional realms like psychology have been impacted by coaching. Um, I think one of the biggest things that I noticed different in coaching is um, 
I, I'm not sure how to phrase this. There were there were things very much at the time that were like like one of my first forays into this work was very much about what are you committed to? What are you committed to? And what are you going to do to make it happen? And it was sort of like, I don't care how you feel, suck it up and deal with it and do what you need to do to make it happen and reinvent yourself, turn yourself inside out, whatever it takes to make it happen. And there's been, I feel like the pendulum has almost completely swung the other direction now. And that it's almost like sometimes we have to kind of remind people, hey, you do actually have to take action <laughs> and it may get really uncomfortable and yeah. you might not like it, but yeah. it, but but there is much more, um, I don't know if I should say emphasis on, but maybe honoring of feelings and emotion now in ways that it's like kind of tuning into that and allowing that to guide you in a way. I mean, I even think of people like um, Esther Hicks that that does the Abraham Hicks work. And granted, she was around then too. I mean, she she goes back, I think, to around the, the mid-90s. She was actually coming out right around that time. And so maybe she was a big influencer in this area. But she talks very much about what you know when you're off, when you're not... She talks a lot about the relationship between you and you, like your spiritual self and your human self, which is a lot of what I've really started kind of simplifying things down to lately in my work is this relationship of these aspects of ourselves. But she's a big one on if 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 you don't feel good, that's like your first red flag that something is off in that alignment or that connection and, and like being who you really are. Such a good point. I just, I appreciate you bringing Esther into it because she is someone that has completely transformed my relationship with the hustle, the grind, the I, I grew up as an athlete, the athlete mentality, turn yourself inside out, right? I know how to, I'm an achiever. I can set mm -hmm. my mind to pretty much anything and get it, but will I be fulfilled when I get there, right? Like we right. Had, I had to start asking myself that question because I noticed that the not even fulfillment, the high of mm -hmm. an achievement wore off as quickly as a drug. And so I started to identify that this wasn't the way or this wasn't going to be the thing that it's not sustainable. And you yes. talk about sustainable success and fulfillment. And and so um, I appreciated learning that then from Aster and, and then kind of, you know, integrating it. Because it's one thing to hear all this information. I yes. love hosting a podcast, but it is it's so different from hearing it to actually integrating it into your life. And, you know, how do you help people make that transition from just reading self-help books at a young age to actually <laughs> yes. to really having this manifest something in their life? Yeah. Yeah. Well, you know, it's a huge part of how I work with people and that um, my methodology is kind of a three-pillared framework or methodology. And, and it starts really with that idea of, like I said, this relationship between who we are as spiritual beings, which I believe is who we really are at our core, at our yes, soul I level. I mean, we can't cut you open and say, there's your soul. But, you know, it's, it's so fascinating when you think like, well, where do your thoughts live? I mean, we can't cut your head open and look at your brain and say, oh, there's a thought. We can track little sparks of energy, but we don't know really that where the thoughts are. So I think that so much is like, you know, this um, sort of non-local consciousness is so much of who we really are housed in these human bodies. And so who we are as spiritual beings, I believe, is these limitless, divine, magnificent, really perfect beings. Um, I believe we are extensions of our creator and that God, universe, spirit, whatever you want to call it, doesn't make mistakes. And, um, and, and so it's like, you know, really embrace 
embracing the perfection of all that you are and all that you're not as this divine, magnificent, perfect being. And recognizing that that divine, magnificent being is housed, as I said, in this human body that is breakable and, and can be hurt. And therefore, we have survival needs and survival instincts to try to protect us from harm. And so there's a lot of things that we'll perceive as threats and we'll, you know, whether it be physically protecting ourselves or more often in modern day life, it's more mentally or emotionally protecting ourselves, putting on the armor of things like an identity, who we think we need to be so that we'll be liked or loved or accepted or not get kicked out of the cave. And um, and so really the, you know, the integration you mentioned, it's like integrating those two parts of ourselves to be fully expressed in all of who you really are as a spiritual being and what you're here for, your purpose, your calling, and really what matters most to you um, through this fabulously beautiful and sometimes messy, sloppy humanity that we have. Very messy. Yes, ma'am. <laughs> and sometimes that means, you know, taking really scary risks. And and um, I, I, I know in some of your work, you reference, thing, reference things like building the plane on the way off the cliff. And it's like, yeah, sometimes you got to, you just got to take that leap off the cliff and it's going to be scary as heck. And you're not going to know if you're going to land on solid ground. And I'm not saying do stupid, crazy things, obviously. But those things that are emotionally scary, that part of your being, not just your brain, but part of your being is going to be like, no, don't do it. What are you thinking? That's crazy. This is going to be a disaster. And and taking those steps anyway, being able to, to always like come back to tuning into and being in alignment with who am I or who do I want to be? What really matters here? And what do I want to be doing in the world? And that's what you got to line everything in your life up with. Yes. Amen to all of that. And um, you, you mentioned, you mentioned the three pillars and I'm guessing you might've been speaking inside of those, um, the humanity, the, uh, the, the divinity, the humanity and integration. That's my wild guess, but what are your three pillars? Yeah. So I, yeah, I kind of speak of them that way generally, but yes, it's about alignment, aligning with who we really are, uh, what we're here for and what matters most to us. Um, insight to recognize where the aspects of our humanity, like fear, doubt, feelings of separateness, feeling like you're not enough, um, feeling like a fraud, all those kinds of things come in. So the insight to recognize, one, that they're even happening. And two, really, I go into a lot with my clients on developing a compassionate view toward it. Like you're not a bad and wrong person for quote unquote, getting in your own way or sabotaging yourself. That is part of how we've stayed alive. <laughs> So the insight to recognize those things and then the, the reinvention, the process of reinvention. And that doesn't necessarily mean changing who you are. You know, some people I think think of reinvention like, oh, so I need to totally change everything about me. It doesn't mean that. To me, it means being able to invent in the moment, aligned with who you are and, and bringing those things together, taking those scary, courageous, vulnerable steps, um, even when the identity is saying, don't do it, don't do it. <laughs> Or when the identity is like keeping you blind to like not even knowing what's going on. <laughs> that is the trickiest part because like I can't, I usually get into the first conversations with people and teach them what ego or identity truly is, right? Yeah. Like, like, you are not that or like 
that you are at least more than that. Yeah. You have more options than that. And so they can start that detachment. And yeah. I love what you said about um, reinvention. And I also, I'm really enjoying that we speak so much. The same language, yes. <laughs> and, um, but the relationship we do have with ourselves or the relationship we have with the life we've created or yeah. the shadow side of ourselves and being compassionate about the different insights that we do discover. Because it's like, we have to uncover and discover all of those things mm-hmm. to be truly at choice about it. Um, I've really, it's really been coming up a lot in my la- most recent conversations is like the toxic positivity where it's mm. like only love and light or, yes. Oh, okay, I don't want to feel bad. I don't want to feel bad. Get away from me with that, right? And we ignore it as opposed to examine it. And that, yeah. you know, it is actually safe to examine. And so how do you you know, guide someone through the process of the, in, your insight pillar of realizing all these different aspects of themselves. What is that like for, for the people you work with? Yeah, there's, you know, there's various aspects to it. I have um, within each pillar, there's three different action steps. And within that, there's also some various um, sort of principles along with it. So love, um, yeah, there's- structure. <laughs> yes, there is definitely structure. So the the um, the insight step starts off with um, exposing our entanglement in, in, in what I refer to as the human trap, that it is in some ways almost like that, like you, you almost get stuck in this need to survive, which of course is a real need. I mean, I'm not pretending that it's not, but, um, but how we to, to really just to understand it to begin with, to recognize that need for survival. This is what we're wired for. And survival doesn't just mean keeping a roof over your head or not getting eaten by a saber-toothed tiger. It also really, you know, tying back to my psychology training too, I think of something like Maslow's hierarchy of needs. And really everything yes. except for that top step, which it's been kind of pared down to like five levels now. And so everything except for that top fifth level of self-actualization is ultimately about our human survival and or our ego survival, which is part of our humanity. So again, that distinction of who we are as human beings and who we are as spiritual beings, everything but the top rung is is the human needs. And so, you know, a lot of what I what I like to do actually from my first pillar about who we really are is to get people really grounded in like what if what if we came from like as our foundation, as our basis for everything, that we are already perfect and whole and complete exactly as we are. And then from there, let's move into, you know, recognizing the aspects of the humanity and so forth. So so it's understanding really kind of sort of how we almost get tangled up in those needs for survival and don't even recognize when they're playing in in so many ways. And so then that's another huge piece of it is is, um, holding the birthplace of our beliefs, recognizing like where our beliefs come from. I had a client say to me, or one time she said something and I I said kind of almost under my breath and passing, I was like, yeah, well, just because you think a thought doesn't mean it's true. And I didn't think, I didn't really even think about it as I said it, because to me, it's so second nature after so many years of doing this work and thinking this way. And she told me later, she's like, Spencer, the ground literally shook under my feet when you said that and I had to sit down. She said, it had never in my life occurred to me that a thought in my head was anything but the truth. So. <laughs> we can't skip over that because I bet you're shaking some ground right now. And this is that detachment from maybe not all of my thought streams, maybe not all of my identities. They are for my survival, like you said, but they're not necessarily for my thriving, which is, I, you know, I know you talk about, and, and I want to kind of pivot to that because it's perfect, whole, complete, like 
there are so many of us not living in that headspace. We're always fixing, we're always solving, we're always putting out fires that we're never even talking about what we'd rather be doing or where we come around talking about what we're dreaming about or aspiring for. And I think even, um, I like, I like to refer to it. I think it does kind of come from landmark, but the agreement reality creating this whole agreement and that we just show up. Like, I I love the one about like gossip, right? Like we all just show up at the workspace and what there is to do is report gossip or report our ailments. Then that's Mm -hmm. what we're going to do. Like, I know if I talk to certain people, what they're going to tell me is what's wrong in the world. Yeah. And, and, and I don't entertain that anymore. I ask about how you, how you actually doing or what are, what are you up to and creating? And it causes so many different conversations about actually thriving. And so how, and I don't mean to pull you away if you're not ready to, but like, I do want to know how we get somebody into that out of there and into there. <laughs> it's actually a perfect transition because actually the last piece of that is is about adapting by design. The last piece of that second pillar is about adapting by design. And um, my coaching school in particular was huge on this. I've learned it from other um, trainings and, and so forth as well. But my coaching school really emphasized this a lot that that <laughs> the Thomas Leonard, who was the founder of the ICF, the International Coaching Federation, had a saying, the environment always wins. And the idea is we are animals. And like any other animal out in the wild, we will adapt to our surroundings. And so there's multiple layers to this, but the the gist of it, as you say, you know, how do you kind of shift those things? Like if you're in a sort of a, a toxic workspace, or you didn't use the word toxic, but if it's a gossipy or if it's people bringing you down or people just complaining all the time about things, you want to start looking at really designing your environments to be environments that you want to be in and that support your growth and support your dreams and support your your development. And it's it's everything from the people you spend time with to the literal physical spaces you're in. If you're, you know, in a depressing, digital. poorly lit office, what's that? The digital space too. Now. Yes. I, Huge I one. That one out because it, yes, I'm, just, I'm, I'm actually looking around my life right now about the environment wins. Cause like I hadn't heard that before. And I'm just like, Yep, 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 yep. So just keep going. Yeah, so the digital spaces you said like social media. It's funny, when I was going through this particular three-month class in my coaching school, um, you know, we always did the work ourselves to really dig for our own growth and, and development as well. And part of this process isn't just saying, okay, well, what do you want your environments to be or what do you aspire to? But it's also looking at how are the ones you're in right now impacting you and are they there for a reason? Like, is there something you're getting out of them that had you set them up in the first place? Because if that's the case, there's more work to do here. Because <laughs> maybe what you're getting out of it isn't something you really want to be getting out of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I need to speak into this right now because yeah. there's so many people, like I actually say it, nothing comes to an ungrateful heart. It's so many people, quote unquote, hating their environment or talking shit about their environment. And it's like, you wouldn't be out of there if you had gathered all the lessons. So yes. why don't you actually be where you are? Why don't yeah. you observe where you are yes. and take what it's offering you first? Because you won't have to create your exit. Everyone is pushing the walls down to exit where they are, or if they're not happy, of course. But goodness gracious, like there doesn't have to be that much efforting. I love what you said about go inward. Like my my program put me inward and did that exploration first. And it's going to pave the path. I I get so passionate about this. Keep going. (laughs) 
<laughs> so that actually is a great transition then into the next part, as you were saying, of like, okay, how do we put this into action? So part of it is redesigning these, these environments and recognizing why they're there and the whole thing. But as we start recognizing why they're there, it leads into the, the final pillar on, on reinvention, which then gets into really like telling the truth about why we are where we are, why we have what we have, um, what we're getting out of it. Um, there's a whole process I walk people through. Um, in fact, I have a, a, a is this an appropriate time to mention a resource I have for your audience? Because it's tied yes, into this topic. So I have a resource to share with your audience that they can access at transformingmillions.com. Um, and it walks through a masterclass that shares about um, not only these essential components to be really living a fulfilled life, but it walks through this particular process I refer to as the unintended con, which is how we are unknowingly lying to ourselves and to the rest of the world yes. for that matter. But we're getting something out of being where we are. So as you mentioned before, when people think like, you know, oh, like I wish it wasn't this way or if only I could or when I, you know, when I, when this happens, then I'll be happier, more fulfilled, able to relax, able to spend time with my family, whatever it may be. Um, but there's a reason why you are where you are. And so it walks people through a process to recognize that. And it's because we're always getting something out of it. And it's, and it's usually like an icky getting out of it. And that's where, that's where we've got to have this compassion about our humanity. Because if you're, if you don't have the compassion about it, then you're not even able to see it because your identity is going to say, well, that's gross. That's what a bad person would do. That's, I'm not like that. <laughs> I, I love where you are and it's so important and it's so subtle because I, I ask that question. It might be most pretty much like 90% of my calls is, but what are you getting out of that? Because you wouldn't be that way if it didn't have some subtle benefit or result or if it was yeah. satisfying, right? Like, like you said, yeah. it's sticky, it's sticky. And, and cause I love my first, I'll go, well, what do you get out of that? And they go, nothing. Stress, <laughs> totally. Stress. I'm like, yeah, I get all that part, but you get something, you get to be <laughs> irresponsible, you get to be lazy, you get to yep. be off the hook, right? Like for me, I always say I had permission to fail inside of my old identity, right? Like yeah. it, it, there's just these things, they don't serve us, but really they scratch an itch somewhere. Yeah, they totally do. Or, or they keep you, it's a perceived way of keeping you safe again, from that identity perspective or the, um, not even always just the identity identity perspective, although it is fear-driven. Yeah. So, and identity is fear-driven as well. But like, I'm thinking for right now, for instance, of a client I had who um, had been working at her business for almost eight years. And she had just gotten to where she was making about $10,000 a month, which is about 120,000 a year. She wanted to make more, but she said, well, I'm not one of those people that wants to make seven figures because more money equals more problems. Yeah. <laughs> because she had been, she had built a business with an ex-boyfriend and the more successful the business got, the worse the relationship got. And she also said to me, that kind of came up in our first conversation. She said, you know, everyone I've ever known my whole life who's successful and does well financially has like been divorced sometimes multiple times over and they're lonely and miserable. And everyone I know who's happy and in great healthy relationships is like stone cold broke and has no financial freedom or ability to do anything or travel or any of the things I want to do. And so she was keeping her business and her relationships just at this sort of mediocre point and neither one was ever getting to like the full richness and, and amazingness that she wanted because she had this belief that if one got really good, the other was going to get really bad and she didn't yeah. want that. 
uh, you are, you're just three. <laughs> and, um, that learned conditioning and, and what I recognize, I actually use it visually as like, we're walking around with both hands over our hearts Yeah, and protecting, you said staying safe, right? Like yep. I don't want to have a crappy relationship. Therefore I can't, it, it requires a uh, sacrifice, right? That animal yes. love or money career or family. We have these things in opposition and we don't even know that we do. And then we dream, we might dream about having it all, but having it all is not a possibility for us. And it's actually, like you said, it's dangerous. Yes. It has a threat to it, right? It's going to, it's perceived to cause us pain. And so how can we, how can we shake that? How can we overcome that? Yeah. So, um, you know, it's, there are obviously lots of parts to that, but, but one of the initial parts is recognizing, um, you know, I think probably one of the most tangible things I can, I can give to your listeners is to say, to start with even just looking at, is your life what you want it to be? Is it what you want it to be in every area, not just in one area, but in every area? Yes. <laughs> Tying back to that, who who are you or who do you aspire to be? If you feel like you've been stifling yourself or playing small or keeping yourself in a box of sorts, you know, I kind of skipped over some of the years between when I discovered my calling and when I actually started living it full-time professionally. There were many years that I had myself in a box of, you know, but I don't, it's not going to work in the way I want it to. And so eventually, someday... I will. And so really looking at like, who are you really? What are you here for? And what do you really want? What really matters to you? And what do you really want? And and so the first thing I think is just getting awareness around that and then looking at, okay, so now what? <laughs> and then with that, now what, you know, I, I, th- I think everybody should have a coach. I, I really am such a huge believer. I mean, I look back at things um, over times in my life when I felt in so many ways, like I was making all the right moves and doing all the right things. And I'd read the books and I'd taken the courses and I had the knowledge, but I didn't have a coach. And there's things I look back on now and I think, man, if I'd had somebody giving me some of that outside perspective, it would have been like a hundred times quicker, easier, more fulfilling, less struggle, whatever it may have then <laughs> it's so good what you're saying and and you I like what do you really want who are you really what do you really care about like like oh beyond the automated go ahead yeah yeah I was just gonna say people don't even give themselves permission to breathe to, to dream sometimes yeah. I as soon as you were saying that I was thinking yeah there's so many people that when I have an initial call with them and I say well what do you really want And just to even be like, sometimes people are shocked to even be asked that question. And then sometimes they'll give kind of a rote response of, you know, well, I want to make however much more money or, well, I want to have whatever in my family that it's like, it's almost just kind of the automated response. And then I'm like, okay, wait a minute. (laughs) I'm smelling something not really coming through here. So let's try that again. What do you really want? Yes. Yeah. And, and the authenticity of that. And, you know, you, you said something, I want to speak into this right here is like, you mentioned something in before the call about like giving up needing to have an obstacle to overcome, right? Like mm. and it reminds me of this because when I get, same thing, get on with new clients, sometimes they're like, I want to be making this much. I want to have this kind of house, a relationship, da, 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 da. and it's like, well, maybe what would that get you? What would that really provide you? And it's usually, what's funny is they're usually trying to create something that they already have access to. Yeah. It's a funny little game, but yeah. it's that whole game, the achievement or the um, struggle is, is noble. 
Yes. I got to prove it. And yeah. tell us about that because you have given up that way of being. And I think more people, you know, <laughs> I try anyway. I try to stay conscious all, to it. That's the thing. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> you know, it's not one of those things you like figure out once and you're like, okay, done. I've arrived. <laughs> I'm on the mountaintop now. No more work Wait, for me. That's okay. So we, yes, yes, yes. Because it sneaks back up on your, I can't tell you how many times, even myself, I thought I already figured this out. I totally. Yeah. Well, nope. Here it is again. Yep. <laughs> yeah. So I think it's so driven by, it's driven by that identity that we started to speak of. So what, you know, just to kind of give a, like, a, and I think you probably speak about this regularly yourself, but just to give a quick little bit here, it's like, you know, at a young age, we figure out who we think we need to be, to be loved, to be accepted, to get mommy and daddy's attention, to not get kicked out of the cave, so to speak, but really even literally to not get kicked out. <laughs> So we figure out who do we need to be the smart one, the funny one, the cute one. Maybe, you know, sometimes even it's a negative thing. Sometimes it's the, you know, the sassy one or the or the tough one or whatever. But we develop this identity of who we think we need to be. And then part of our humanity is we love to be right. So we find all kinds of evidence for it. And we prove again and again, looking through this very like filtered lens for proof for it to be like, well, see, see, that worked. And that's what I need to do. And I see that one time when I wasn't that, it totally blew up in my face. Yes. So we have a lifetime of evidence for who we think we need to be. The, the distinction really that I want to make though is, you know, identity is, as I mentioned before, I think is, is born from fear. It's born from a sense of lack, of not being enough, of not being good enough, of not being complete or being broken in some way. And, um, you know, there may be aspects of your identity that are fantastic and that are amazing and that have helped you succeed and help you like live an incredible life. A lot of times I think parts of our identity are aligned with who we really are. It's just a question of what's motivating our being and our actions in the moment. Are we coming from a pure place of like love and open heart and vulnerability and courage? Or are we coming from a place of fear and doubt and needing to prove ourselves? So I, for me, I recognized, um, in fact, one of my biggest like knock me on my butt insights ever about myself was after I had split from my ex of 14 years. Um, and it was a very toxic relationship, which I didn't even realize at the time. I was so in the thick of it. It was after, like, I remember saying to my therapist at the time, I'm like, I feel like I need to get him off of me. Like, like I've been slimed and I need to like cleanse myself or yeah. something. <laughs> I didn't even realize how warped it was at the time. And, and, you know, I really, I was so hard on myself. I was like, how could I have been so stupid? How could I have been so blind? I'm smarter than that. I'm stronger than that. And there's so many of us. I mean, there's, you know, stories on a daily basis that I hear coming out even about celebrities and people in the media that are saying like, yeah, it was an abusive relationship or things. Mine was more emotionally, not physical. But anyway, my point is I was hard on myself and thinking, how could I have done that? And my huge insight was I realized that I had built this identity for myself as a kid growing up in a relatively dysfunctional household, which I've kind of come to think almost all of us grew up in dysfunctional households of some yeah. kind anyway. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> but I, growing up in the home that I did, I um, had this identity of like, I can overcome anything. Like no matter what crap is thrown my way, no matter what the world throws at me, not only will I survive it, but by God, I will triumph in the face of it. And I will come shooting out of the mountaintop with beams of white light coming out of every pore of my body. <laughs> <laughs> and so when I realized that I got that, it's funny, I get chills when I tell this story. I'm like, oh my gosh, I wasn't stupid to choose him. I was freaking brilliant because he gave me countless opportunities to thrive and overcome again and again and again. 
Yes. I'm so grateful. That's a great explanation too, because, you know, I think we, whether we're the ones doing it or we're witnessing our loved ones be yes. that way that you're explaining, we look at them sideways like, what the are you <laughs> Why are totally. you stop touching the hot stove, right? Like, yeah, exactly. <laughs> but we, it, it is for the survival of our identity. It lives inside of the way we see ourselves. And like, yep. there are people who are so frustrated with their lives. And I'm like, no, you need that. Like you, the who yeah. you think you are needs that to prove whoever you think you are. And, yep. and then you're like, oh, it gets that get the impact. And you're yes. like, oh, no, no. And then you said, sticky, get that shit off of me. Yeah. <laughs> so, yes. And, and so what would you say to someone who maybe they're hearing this and that's kind of their awakening moment? Like, ooh, I might not be, I might be up to something here. What can someone like that do? Yeah. Um, you know, the, I think having that awareness obviously is always a first step because you can't yeah. do anything about it if you're blind to it. You don't know what um, you don't know. <laughs> yeah. You don't know what you don't know. Exactly. Um, again, I would say, I think everyone needs a coach. So get a coach or go to a therapist. If you're truly in like a toxic or abusive relationship, get, get help obviously. Yeah. But, you know, from a, from a coaching perspective, what I would say is, um, you know, when you can see what it is you're getting out of it and you can see the impact, a lot of times it's like when we see the impact, that's when we really get what the impact is, like on a cellular level, that's a lot of times enough to have us go, oh, maybe I don't need to keep doing that anymore. <laughs> And for me, it was literally like a light bulb moment, like a light switch moment. Um, we, you know, he had this story with my ex and, and you know, the, the, how that ended. He had asked for a divorce. Um, I, for a couple months, was like, we were in the process of building a house at the time and we were living in a tiny apartment and life was crazy. And I was like, we're just stressed. There's too much going on, like, you know, moving and everything. It's just like, let's just give it time and we'll get, you know, go talk to somebody and the whole thing. And after a couple months where he was pretty consistent like, no, I want to go. I want to go. He, he said something to one of my kids one day. They were only four and seven at the time, two little girls. And um, he said something that just was so strikingly, obviously manipulative to me that it was like to get a reaction out of them to feed his ego. Yeah. And, um, and I just was like, and, and I thought, hell no hell effing no, I am not going to subject them to this BS for the rest of their lives. And it struck, I was like, my little girls are not going to be put through that. And all of a sudden I thought, holy crap, Spencer, you're someone's little girl. Like, why have you been putting up with this shit for the last 14 years? And it was literally like a light switch. I was like, I deserve so much better than this. <laughs> and... <laughs> where we get, you just dropped brilliance, pause it. Gosh, because, ah, uh, like how come each of us is, what makes anyone better or less than anyone and who gets to pick and choose, right? Yeah, yeah. So I had, so that for me, it's interesting because that for me was one of those real life transformational moments. You know, the, the, the brilliance of coaching and transformational training is that you can create those breakthrough moments without needing to get divorced or have someone die or whatever these other like life altering kinds of moments are. But I lived it as a real life moment where I got in that moment what the impact was. And I said, hell no, I am not doing this anymore. And then 
then it was after the fact when I went, but why did I do it for so long that I realized I had this shtick of, I need something to rise above. And he gave me plenty of things, plenty of opportunities time and again to rise above. Well, I'm, I'm glad we've officially risen above for the, for the final time and yes. released, released that need to prove any sort yeah. of worth or value or or belonging, you know, and so congratulations. <laughs> Thank you. Thank you. And again, my my resource that I showed this masterclass at transformingmillions.com yeah. walks you through the process to at least start to um, shine a light on it. Like a lot of times people don't get the full... Um, they kind of don't get the full impact of it on their own because your identity will still try to like, have you not even see it, let alone be honest about it. Like you said, people will say, oh, well, I'm not getting anything out of it. But at least it gives you a process to start to walk through. And a lot of people, like if you're really willing to be honest with yourself and to look at what are the benefits, what am I getting out of this? And what is it really costing me? You then can choose new ways of being and new ways of behaving, new ways of acting, um, doing, I don't mean acting like play acting, but you know what I mean? Taking action. Um, to create a new possibility, to create a new um, result for yourself. Yes, 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 to all of that. And so um, you mentioned the the class on, on transforming millions. And is there any way to, like, if someone's really vibing out with what you're sharing, which I can imagine they are, is how can they reach you or how could they contact you? Or maybe even, is there a discovery call or a sample session they could do with you or... Yeah, absolutely. So if you go to, in fact, if you want to just email me directly, that might be the easiest way. You can email me directly at spencer at spencersnakered.com. It's a little doozy of a name. So if the name will be in the show notes, you'll have we'll the spelling that, there. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yep. Yes. Awesome. And um, where can we look out for you? Where can we connect with you? Are you on social media as well? Um, <laughs> somewhat. <laughs> I laugh because I kind of tend to stay away from social media as much as possible. But yes, I do. I am on Facebook. Pretty much all my handles are Spencer Snakerd. First name, okay. last name, Spencer Snakerd. So I'm on Facebook. I have a business page there. Um, I also am on LinkedIn um, with the name Spencer Snakerd. I'm just now getting on Clubhouse. Yeah. <laughs> and I have I'm a YouTube... I'm an Android, so I'm locked in. Oh. Oh, you gotta wait. Um, and actually, I do also have a YouTube channel. If anyone's interested in like seeing some videos that go more, I do some videos that really go. Um, they're almost like little mini training videos that walk you through a number of these things. And there's one. There is a series on. Um, I believe it. I know the word identity is in the title of it. It's a like a four part series, and I think it's something like how identity impacts success. Uh, so yeah. that's on YouTube. You can find that kind of through my website. If you do spencersnaker.com forward slash YouTube, that'll take you right to the right page. Cool. I imagine we're going to have some people absolutely stalking your life. And, and <laughs> Yay. Just <laughs> so much gold in this interview and the depth of work. I love this work. I, and I've loved getting to like share that with you and, and go there. And so if you'd love to leave our listeners with anything, what would that be? You know, I think it's it's something that I already said, but I'm going to say it again as a drop the mic end note. Uh, you are a perfect, whole, complete magnificent creation. Nothing wrong, nothing missing, and perfect for all that you are and for all that you're not. When you really embody that, there's no space for any of the other crap to take over. (laughs) Thank you. And you've accepted that. And so what does it look like for Spencer Snakerd's heart to be unleashed? (laughs) Um, you know, I, gosh, I don't even know how to answer that. I think just being present, being present and, and living 
living life, living a life I love. And um, I have since I called Mr. Wonderful into my life after the split from the ex and doing work that I love and spending time with my kids. I've actually thoroughly, I shouldn't say this because I'm sure people have had tragic experiences through the corona pandemic, but in many ways, I've very much enjoyed having the time home and, and with the family. And, you know, I have a 13-year-old and 16-year-old at home um, still, and it's been nice just to like, you know, Netflix binge with them on the couch and snuggled up together and things like that. So it's been great. So yeah, that's, I think that's my heart unleashed is being present and being with the people and doing the things I love. And thank you. Thank you for sharing that joy because it's so possible. It's so possible. And it's not some, you know, pipe dream. And I think that the more people hear that it is just like every, or everyday people. Well, I'm, I know we've built these beautiful businesses and it, and it looks a certain way, but like you just, you get the time at home, you get to enjoy your life with your loved ones. Like it's so possible. And I'm just so grateful for that message. And so thank you for bringing your unleashed heart to the hearts unleashed podcast. Thank you. Thank you so much. Yes. Thank you. And you guys, please be sure to head to transformingmillions.com, spencersnaker.com. Definitely check out her YouTube channel. And Hearts, just thank you for bringing your open and unleashed heart here to level it up or get started wherever you are in your transformation. It is. It is perfect. It's whole. It's complete. And it's time to just take it wherever you'd like to take it. So thank you for tuning into the Hearts Unleashed podcast, where we are turning dreamers into doers. Thanks for tuning in to the Hearts Unleashed podcast. We hope you found all the inspiration that you needed today and that you use it to take the next inspired action on your dreams. If you love the show, share it with a friend. We love spreading the love. For more information, to listen to more episodes, or to shop Hearts Unleashed, visit us at heartsunleashed.com. See you next time, Hearts. Hearts.